baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no offseason, and I'm your friend, your host. I'm your friend and your host. Where did friend come from? Hell, I'm your friend, aren't I? Aren't I? You're listening to me? It's your pal, Sully. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from a Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking... The historic Rose Bowl. Hey, you know, I've done that whenever I've done a a podcast from here in, in the Sully Baseball Studios in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. And I've always just deepened my voice a little bit, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl to make it more dramatic. And what that comes from is Keith Jackson. Keith Jackson, the great... Uh, announcer, mostly people know him for football. He did a lot of baseball. I'll address that in a second. He was probably most associated with like Pac-10 games, and he was on the West Coast, and he did. He always was the voice of the Rose Bowl games, and I was. I mean, I'm no college football expert or anything like that, but I always associate his voice with the Rose Bowl, which is you know my this beautiful studio overlooks it perfectly. But that's, you know, what I subconsciously just did. Or maybe, I mean, it just was, if you're going to say the Rose Bowl, you got to say it like Keith Jackson, who you can make an argument had the greatest voice in sports. Whether you thought he was the best announcer or anything like that, just the fact his voice was so perfect and so dramatic. It could rise, it could lower, it could get excited, it could let the drama play out. He was a, a remarkable remarkable broadcaster and he passed away today and so I realized I I had to pay I had to tip my hat and 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 pay tribute to the great Keith Jackson Uh, when I was getting my I got my master's degree last year from Washington State University and when I would go up to Pullman to take you know for the times I had to appear at Washington State one of the buildings I went to was Jackson Hall that that was named after Keith Jackson, who was from that region of the country, from the Palouse. He only he could say the Palouse like he could. And he went to Washington State. You know, the, the, the School of Communications in Washington State is named after Edward R. Murrow because, well, you know, you got Edward R. Murrow as your alumni. You put him right front and center. But the communications building was Jackson Hall. And you know, that you, I remember my first day walking into there, there's a big picture of Keith Jackson. And I believe it was taken, if, I, if my memory is correct, I may post this on Sully Baseball uh, when I do the thumbnail for the, the, for the podcast, but I believe he was in the Rose Bowl. So, uh, you know, he obviously was, I believe he was 90. I mean, he was, he was, he was not young when I was a kid. <laughs> he's one of those people that I, I've never seen him as a young man. He was always a veteran. It's kind of Vince Scully is that way too. He was Vince Scully was an old guy when I remember him announcing the '86 World Series, and Keith Jackson announced the '86 National League Championship Series, and so he was an old guy then. And I'm in my mid 40s, so Lord knows how old some of these guys are. But he he passed away. All due respect to Keith Jackson. Uh, it's funny, they're going to show probably over the next day or so a lot of the great 
highlights of his career. Probably the, the, the most famous one is that, that amazing Hail Mary pass that he called. Uh, Colorado beat Michigan in 1994. I think that's probably one of the big ones. Uh, there's some other big ones, of course, historically up and down the way. Uh, he, he was an ABC announcer, so that meant he was also one of the voices for the Olympics for many years, along with like Jim McKay and Al Michaels and Howard Cosell. And he did a lot of baseball. ABC had baseball for a long time. And they, you know, they split things up. You, you're going to announce this, you're going to announce that. <clears throat> I think that there's an element of frustration that I have that to the two moments that should have been classic Keith Jackson moments were hijacked by Howard Cosell. Now, look it. You put you, Howard Cosell, who's been dead for a while, was a seminal talent as well. Whether you liked him or not, he was extraordinary what he does. But what he did was different from what Keith Jackson did, which in theory makes them a good combination. You don't want two people doing the same goddamn thing. Sorry, Ray, but you don't want that. And you want to have someone be able to compliment each other. If someone's very good at the play-by-play, you know, someone else is very good at, at the analysis, and you want to have that back and forth. But, you know, there there's... When you have one person who does iconic calls in one way, another person who makes their presence felt in a totally contrarian way, it made for some sort of clashing moments in the broadcast booth. Uh, an example, uh, and, I'll, and I'll post these on, on Twitter if you follow me on Sully Baseball, but an example is the Chris Chambliss home run. When Chris Chambliss hit the bottom of the ninth home run in game five of the 1976 American League Championship Series against Mark Littell, it sent the Yankees to the World Series, uh, beating Kansas City, and was probably the most dramatic moment of that year, because the World Series is a bit of a snooze, and it was also a return of the Yankees. The Yankees had not been in the World Series since 1964. They had fallen on terrible times. Steinbrenner rebuilt the team, and uh, Gabe, Gabe Paul really rebuilt the team. They rebuilt Yankee Stadium, and here they are, a brand new, very different feeling Yankee team was in the World Series on this dramatic home run by Chambliss. And if you listen to... The broadcast, Jackson's giving, uh, Keith Jackson is giving it a dramatic buildup, a high drive, and it's going, and he's doing a wonderful job of it. And Cosell cuts right in the minute he says, gone, screaming, Chris Chambliss has won. And he basically has a monologue. And it's one of the amazing things about Cosell was he was able to do things that sounded like it was a well-written, well-rehearsed monologue, almost impromptu. But it also stepped right on Keith Jackson's call. And so you have this amazing moment. Jackson was giving it this great dramatic build, and Cosell basically elbows Jackson in the face, and says, Chris Chambliss has won. 
The Amer- in fact, you know what I'm going to do? I was toying with the idea of doing it. Um, I'm going to just play it right now. Mark Littell delivers high drive. It's in right center field. That's good. It is gone. Chris Chambliss has won the American League pennant for the New York Yankees. A thrilling, dramatic game with overtones of that great sixth game in the World Series a year ago and then the seventh game, too. What a way for the American League season to end. You hear what I you hear what I hear in that? You heard Jackson, then you heard Cosell burst right into it. And what it meant was there was a he he, he boxed him out. He boxed him out. Now the very next year, in the same goddamn booth, sorry, Ray, I'm saying it, was another super dramatic game, and the moment of you know the the Yankees got clobbered in the '76 World Series, and '77 was the '77 Yankees were one of the most dramatic teams in the history of baseball. Not one of the best, one of the most dramatic in terms of how they played, how they won, how they were nearly eliminated in the playoffs, and how they stormed back to win their first World Series title in a decade and a half. And it was Reggie. The controversy and the storyline of Reggie Jackson, who was brought in to be the final piece, he clashed with Billy Martin, he clashed with Thurman Munson, everyone was clashing with each other, it was just anger, it was just pure anger. Anyone who says, hey, you gotta have team unity, you gotta have that spirit in order to win, you know, you gotta have that, the clubhouse has gotta be all together, read the 77 Yankees, (laughs) that was not unity. That was not good clubhouse chemistry. They all hated each other. And they went on, and and that final game against Los Angeles, Reggie Jackson had one of the greatest single-game performances in the history of baseball, not just in terms of the stats. The stats alone are eye-popping for what he did the final game. But to do it in a clinching game, to do it to put the Yankees on top as the world champions, and... To do it in a way where all the critics were were smashing down, um, you know, is Reggie Jackson overpaid? Is Reggie Jackson arrogant? Is Reggie Jackson full of shit? To come through and said, "Watch me." He swung the bat three times. He he walked and scored at one point, um, in his first at bat, and but he it was on four straight pitches. His next at-bat, first pitch home run. Next at-bat, first pitch home run. Next at-bat, first pitch home run. He swung the bat three times. Each time, it left the yard. And the final one was hit to straightaway center field, the furthest you'd see any ball hit. And it was one of the great exclamation points in baseball history that he joined Babe Ruth in terms of hitting three home runs in one World Series game, but also said, yeah, that's right. I'm leading the Yankees to the World Championship. And it was, it was a, remarkable, a remarkable performance. Now, each time Keith Jackson was calling it, 
and I'll play one of these too, he was trying to build up the drama, and Cosell would bud right in. He was trying to build it up, and Cosell just would come right in. And like a goodbye, and oh, oh, what a blow. Like, because he couldn't let Jackson have that. Now, maybe from what I've read about Cosell, and I've read one of his books, I've read Al Michaels' books, that that was kind of who he was. He didn't, he needed to be the voice. He felt he was the star. But it's frustrating because you have this all-time, all-time great voice. And be and having back-to-back years, having a just one of those legendary, not just you know big highlight like franchise-defining moment, and we don't get the great call from Keith Jackson, and that's frustrating. You know he was a wonderful baseball announcer. Oh, hold on, let me play right now. Let me. This is a. Uh, the, you're hearing the Jackson uh, home run. Reggie Jackson has seen two pitches in the strike zone tonight. Two. And he's hit them both in the seat. You're hearing what I'm. You're hearing what I'm hearing. Am I bananas? Am I bananas? I don't think I am. But you know, you're going to hear a lot of his baseball, uh, his football calls. Sorry today, and um, yeah, it it is what it is. I'm going to miss his voice. But you know, it's funny when we talk about how we're going to miss people's voices. We're not really, it's, announcers are an interesting element to our love of sports. It's true when you think of it. They're the people you sit down and watch the game with. They're your buddy. You know, I was said, I stumbled in calling myself your friend at the beginning of the podcast. But in essence, that's what a podcast host is. I'm your friend. Pop me in your ear, go. I think about the podcasts that I listen to regularly. And they're, they're, they're all over the map in terms of subject matter. And some are people whom I know. Like I know Marina Franklin. I know Adam Spiegelman. I know Aaron Foley. You know, you know people who I know a little bit, but I, I feel like I know him more because of the podcast. Like, you know, like, never not funny. I mean, I I know Jimmy Pardo and, and Matt Belknap, but I'm not like, we're not like, you know, bosom buddies or anything like that. And the, you, you feel like it's your friend. You know, when there's some people I don't know, I've never met, who I listen to all the time. You know, podcast hosts who I listen to, and they feel like, all right, yeah, we're, we're, we're having, you know, oh, they're on. Great. And in fact, it's a weird thing for your pal because, like, when I had Jimmy Pardo as a guest on Sully Baseball or when I've been a guest on 
shows like the Indiana Jones Minute or the Star Trek Minute, which are podcasts I listen to all the time, it's like, oh, wow, I really get to talk to him now. This is not a, you know, a Rupert Pupkin sort of uh, fantasy. Well, an announcer is your friend. Who are you going to watch the game with? And it becomes important. It becomes important because, you know, you're going to sit and watch a game. The voice you're hearing is the person who gives it a flavor, who gives it the sense of drama, who colors it. And that is as much of the experience of a game as anything else. You know, when you're at the game, obviously, you don't have the play-by-play announcer. And for some people, that's disorienting. My friend Anna up in Wisconsin, Anna the Goat Farmer, when she went to her first baseball game, she said, wait, where's the play-by-play? I can't follow it. And think about your memories of games. Specific memories you have of your favorite games. No matter who you are. No matter who you are, that is it, you know, if you're, if you're a Dodger fan, if you're a Yankee fan, if you're a Cardinal fan, Red Sox, Orioles, whatever team you follow, when you have that memory of a game, it's not in silence. There's a narrator. And a lot of times you get frustrated if you're watching like a national game, you want to hear your own announcers. You know, I remember when I was first dating my wife, we were in New York, and there was a a Yankee-Mets game on. And I pointed out to her that it was on the Yankee station and the Mets station, same game. And she was, it made no sense to her. I said, why are two channels showing the same game? And I said, well, some people want to watch it with a Yankee announcer. Some people want to watch it with a Mets announcer. I said, that doesn't make any sense. And yes, it does. You want to watch the game with your friend with the person who will sit, the person whose voice you want to hear narrated and color it. The greatest home run of all time is partially become famous because of the Giants win the pennant, Giants win the pennant call by Russ Hodges. You know, the, the Kirk Gibson home run has two classic calls. You know, the Vin Scully's, you know, in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. And Jack Buck saying, I don't believe what I just saw. I absolutely believe that one of the reasons why a lot of people are tired of Joe Buck as the announcer of the World Series. It's not that Joe Buck's not a talented announcer. He is absolutely a talented announcer. He's a very talented announcer. It's just he's done every single World Series since the year 2000. And there's a sense of, hey, can we invite over another friend? He's kind of becoming the thing that wouldn't leave. It's like, hey, we like watching it with you know, a variety of people. You've been here for 18 years. Can, can another friend come over? Having them, you know, mixing up who the voices are, which they do in the Super Bowl, because different networks, you know, cover the CBS will do one year, ABC will do one year, and NBC, you know, Fox, they all, you know, switch off on that. But after a while, you want to share it with different friends. And so when a friend dies, 
like Keith Jackson. When you say you're going to miss him, well, he hasn't done many games, but you want to hear him narrate something else. In L.A., they were doing it like crazy for Vince Scully. Is Vince Scully the greatest announcer of all time? When people talking about him, you would have thought he was walking on water. I say part of it is, well, you know, part of it is the fact that he was there for so long, his longevity was so long, and that his being there for all the L.A. Dodger games, he was your friend that you could always count on. That's what announcing is. That's what broadcasters do. They become your buddy. They become your friend. They become the person you sit down and enjoy things with. Let's watch this game together. Watch the game with me. I'll point out stuff to you. I'll narrate it to you. And the best ones know when to talk and know when to just let it play out. Joe Garagiola, who died a couple of years ago, I thought was the best ever at that. And why I was sometimes, in all due respect to Mr. Scully, wouldn't immediately jump on the uh, Vince Scully's the greatest announcer of all time bandwagon. Because I said, you know what? In some of the World Series, sometimes Vince Scully wasn't even the best announcer in the booth. We lost an all-time great today. An all-time great. And when you lose an all-time great, you can be thankful that you have the recorded pieces of the past. And I guess you can feel sad going, man, he's not going to be there with me anymore. You lose a friend. And I think that's different than an athlete retiring. Because when an athlete retires, you can say, well, yeah, they're not going to continue playing into their 50s or 60s. You know that it's it's the torch passes on. You find new players. You know, as you know, Jeter retires, Aaron Judge takes his place as the star. You know, Big Poppy retires. God, I hope someone else takes his place as a star. You know, but Ben Attendee and Betts and all of them are there. It's like the new. You know, it 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 follows. But an announcer could be a consistent voice and a consistent friend. And this was one of the best ever. It's such an amazing voice. And I got to tell you, I wish he did more baseball. And I wish for the games that he did, he wasn't always paired with Cosell. But rest in peace, Mr. Jackson. Go Cougs as a fellow Washington State University alumni. And for all of you, well... I'm going to continue being your friend. may not be 365 days, but I'm going to do a crap load of these this year. And I'm setting up the video studio because there's going to be more video stuff done. There's going to be more Sunday request stuff done. And the Patreon site is being set up. So keep an eye for that. Hopefully your pal Sully can make a, you know, a little bit of money doing this. And set it up so there's a lot of good material for my subscribing fans and the people who have been the most, you know, the most supportive of me through the years. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. You can be old school, so be an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Rest in peace, Mr. Jackson. You will be in the In Memoriam video. 
This has been the Sully Baseball Podcast for the 13th day of January 2018. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.